Are you ready to take your mindset to an even higher level on and off the mat? Then you're ready for the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, where business owners and aspiring entrepreneurs open their minds to new ideas and concepts that will help you during your entrepreneurial journey and during your consistent pursuit of becoming the best version of yourself personally and professionally. It's time to go beyond the mat with the host of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, Gustavo Dantas. Welcome to episode 20. I'm your host, Gustavo Dantas, and you're listening to the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast. The BJJ Mental Coach Podcast is a proud supporter of the nonprofit organization Live Jiu Jitsu. Live Jiu Jitsu supports social projects in Brazil and the United States who offer free Jiu Jitsu classes to unprivileged children and young adults in impoverished communities, inspiring, impacting, and improving their lives, keeping them away from drugs and crime, creating hope, and creating champions on and off the mats. Your donation helps projects to buy new mats, uniforms, tournament registrations, and the monthly expenses of these projects. As a supporter, the BJJ Mental Coaches donate all the profit of t-shirts and patches sales to Live Jiu-Jitsu. For more information, please visit www.liveju-jitsu.org. It's www.liveju-jitsu.org. Let me introduce you to today's guest, Camilo Moldovano. Camilo is a black belt in Jiu-Jitsu and he has won five IBJJF European Championships from white belt to brown belt. After graduating from college with a degree in computer science, Camille founded a software outsourcing company. He is also the co-founder and CEO of Reflex, which is a motion-trackable wearable device that assists in guiding patients with their rehabilitation process. Reflex allows doctors to track patients' progress online and make adjustments via the software. Reflex has been named the Gadget of the Month by Wearable Technologies and is currently valued at over $3 million. Camille runs a jiu-jitsu academy he founded with his coach that has over 300 students and lives in Bucharest, Romania with his wife. Camille believes that there is a strong correlation between the lessons learned in BJJ and what makes a successful entrepreneur. Camille, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you super much for this uh, super intro. I'm really excited to to join you in this podcast. And I have to say that I'm listening to, to your episodes all the time. So again, really excited yeah, to be it's here. It's really cool because I'm trying to get out of the box and look for different entrepreneurs. So I just said, you know, let me go to Google and start to research. And I never heard of you. <laughs> and, I, and I said, let me look for some people in Europe. And your name popped up, was one of the first ones who pop up and start to to read about it like man very impressive and more i read too it's just a perfect fit for the show so pretty positive that you'll be able to inspire a lot of people so tell us how bjj show up in your life so this is a, a story that i really like so i was um i finished high school i finished then i was in university i already started my own business um, and I had a friend since elementary school. He was the kind of guy that was like geekish, you know, very skinny, not a tough mm -hmm. guy, and usually had problems with guys hitting <laughs> him or stuff like that. Yeah, picking fights. And after some years, you know, I saw this guy and he, he was really, really tough. Mm -hmm. I mean, he had cauliflower ears. He has like big, broad shoulders and uh, he felt that he was like uh, had a lot of mm -hmm. confidence you know and i said like what happened <laughs> <laughs> and he said you know i started kickboxing and i learned how to punch and then i've started this strange sport called uh, brazilian jiu-jitsu where we grapple each other uh, and now i'm doing some olympic uh, weight weight lifting as well and i was like Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, like, what's that about? And I didn't have any martial, martial arts know-how. So when we were talking about fights, I was imagining, like, Van Damme uh -huh. movies with reverse kicks to the head and stuff like that. So that was, like, my, my top 10 yeah. <laughs> fighting skills that somebody could have, like, the, the, the best ones. And how old you? And uh, I was, like, 22. And, and this guy... Um, showed me a lot of, of stuff from his fights, like in jiu-jitsu. I, I wasn't convinced at all. So I was looking at guys hugging mm -hmm. each other and I was thinking like, man, that's not fighting. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's strange, yeah. you know? <laughs> and after 
like a couple of months, he accepted the fight in mixed martial arts. So he fought on national television with a really tough uh, kickboxer guy that I knew he was very good and he destroyed him. I'm talking about three rounds of uh, each beginning of round double leg, take down, mount, and then like round and pound also with the mm -hmm. elbows. Like that guy was devastated, you know, and then I could understand, I mean, I understood immediately like <laughs> why grappling is really important and how, how that's mm -hmm. tough, you know, because <laughs> I couldn't see it. So I was in a really bad shape. Uh, I was uh, pretty much obese mm. <laughs> and also in emotionally I wasn't very good so it was it seemed like a good idea to start doing that so this is how I started. Nice, man. And how do you feel BJJ relate to life? Oh this is a, a, a tough mm. one <laughs> because there are so many yeah. things and you have to, to see what what to choose. I will go for the, the easiest uh, two which is like discipline mm -hmm. and focus and I really think that um, I would say in the last period maybe it's hard for you to learn in school that if you really focus on something and you have the discipline to to follow it you're gonna achieve great outcomes and in jiu-jitsu it's so easy to see that and to, to, to see that immediately but also you need lots of mm -hmm. passion in order to be able to, to go to the mm -hmm. grind and have all that focus and discipline. So I would say these are the things that helped me a lot from, from Jiu-Jitsu and I'm always thinking about them. Uh, great outcomes that were achieved through, through consistency mm -hmm. and discipline and focus. And that helps awesome. me a lot. Now, when did you have the spark to pursue your vision with Reflex? I was reading about it. I thought it was a very interesting story. So love you to share with the listeners. So I fought in the European Championship in 2015. I was um, brown belt. Um, it was in the adult category. Uh, I managed to win that, but I severely injured my right knee. And I had to do recovery for physiotherapy recovery for seven months. And, you know, after the pain was gone and the mobility is back, I wasn't very motivated to, to go into the recovery clinic anymore. And people weren't very good in explaining me that, look, you're not well recovered and you still have lots of uh, stuff to do before getting well. They don't have any tests or something like that. It's just looking at you and they say, yeah, you're not done. So um, I've quit that and then at the, the next uh, trainings that I did, I mean the most uh, severe ones, I managed to turn my meniscus mm -hmm. uh, and that was really bad because I couldn't walk anymore and my knee was popping out so I had to do the mm -hmm. surgery and then I had to do another uh, six months to seven months of, of recovery and I couldn't walk for two six mm -hmm. weeks I had to work mm -hmm. crutches um, and then I was thinking like what I could improve in this recovery process because I visited lots of clinics and they didn't have like very good processes even the the best ones I mean they did it's, it was clear that it's uh, all related to the physiotherapies not to a process that the clinic has I mean talking about protocols and tests and showing you you're here and you have to do this and this and this and then you'll be done and you'll be healthy again um, I had already lots of experience in the IT industry and I thought that uh, with the technology that it's already on the market, definitely there has to be a way to build a, a wearable set of sensors that can actually test your, uh, how, how injured is your leg compared to the mm -hmm. healthy leg, do some tests like proprioception, force, isometric test and understand like where you are in this recovery process. Are you at the beginning or at, are mm -hmm. you at the end? And this is how, how I started Reflex. Um, and yeah, it was like based on all the, the bad experience that I had as a, as a patient. And this is how it Yeah, started. that's one of the episodes number, I think number five, Pete Roberts from Origin that was titled, Oh, Let Your Irritations Inspire You, which is kind of like yeah. what you did, you know, some uh, irritation that you had of, you know what, I need a better system here to, to improve. So it's pretty cool. 
that that's true that's true because you know if you go in a physiotherapy chain of clinics not only that if you'll go to one clinic and then to another but in the same chain you're gonna get different mm-hmm. services but also if you go in the morning and if you do the physiotherapy services uh, um, the physiotherapy exercise with one physio and then you go into the afternoon and you do with the other physio you're gonna get two different experiences and they're gonna tell you different stuff sometimes so that's why I felt that it has to be like a way of uh, do a, a standard mm-hmm. that it's easy um, to, to implement when you scale as a business. Because sure, it's easy if you go in a clinic that has two physiotherapists or three physiotherapists. But imagine a chain of clinics that have 50 units with uh, 200 yeah. physiotherapists. That's really hard to maintain the level of quality. Nice. Now, how was the mindset back then when you had this vision for Reflex? Because, of course, this is a big project, man. And, of course, fear, doubts, <laughs> and, and, like, is this going to work? How did you deal with it? Uh, yeah, for sure, there were, like, lots lots of doubts and uh, lots of insecurity. Um, I tend not to overthink mm-hmm. stuff. So I think some people are overthinking everything and are trying to see like all the possibilities and all the risks. And then it's really complicated to start Mm -hmm. stuff, you know? (laughs) So that's not necessarily something good that I'm doing, that I'm just jumping into, into opportunities. It's something that I should control more, but um, yeah, I just, I knew that this have has to take off. And anyway, it was something that, made me passionate about so it was fun to work at it it wasn't something that i couldn't use as the the skills that i were learning it wasn't something that i couldn't use in the future so definitely was something that i should yeah and it's something that you really wanted for your knee for your injury you know you really want to get that down make sure that if you're selling something you want to make sure that works and works in your body you know so that's a that's a great way to look at it too Nowadays, when, when we are talking with patients that are using is it makes me feel really mm-hmm. good because I remember what were my frustrations, mm-hmm. you know, and now I'm asking the patients, what do you like? They say, okay, I'm loving it and I want to use it. And okay, but what do you like? And they said, like, I can see that uh, I'm working at the range of motion that I should. Yeah. So they can see the degrees that are working each repetition of each exercise. That's the first thing. And the second is they say that, and I know that what I'm doing is really, really accurate. It's not like, you know, mm-hmm. like I know that's the perfect form in order to do that exercise. And that's exactly what I, I was feeling that I wasn't secure if what i'm doing will not break the surgery or stuff like that so that's and is it available in the united states i was looking into more some of the videos and stuff man it's really intriguing we're gonna have all the links and everything available for people to check it out but do they have available in the united states no 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 not right right now so we started to to launch the product in germany and uh, uk and Mm -hmm. romania these are like the the closest countries that we want to to, to grow and after we'll be successful in here with sure strategic partners that uh, we, we will find we're gonna bring it in US That's as well. awesome. Now, what do you feel that it's some kind of struggle that you feel a lot of entrepreneurs even experience, but we have a lot of people who are in transition starting entrepreneurial journey. What do you see that some of the entrepreneurs have been struggling lately and what, what kind of advice would you, would you give to them? Um, I would say that nowadays the, the entrepreneurs that are starting are, are looking at just as the results, mm-hmm. you know, at the success at the top of the yeah. iceberg. Uh, they don't look necessarily at the grind, at the sacrifices. So it's easy to look at, uh, let's say, at the Jiu-Jitsu champion and just see the medals and just see the podiums and the, the videos on Facebook, the mm-hmm. highlights, and you say, I want to be world champion. I want to be a, a Elon Musk. I want to be Zuckerberg from Facebook mm-hmm. because it's cool and I, I feel that I can do that. But actually, they should embrace the grind. They should understand what's, what are the sacrifices and the hard work behind that and in what way they can create a system that will allow them and like also make them happy mm-hmm. <laughs> do it because it's not a sprint it's a marathon so you definitely have to find 
solutions that will allow you to, to pursue that vision. And that's not something that they usually, people think about when they start something. They only look at the, the, the success. So I think they should look more in the, in the background and try to understand what's that about and how they should achieve it and see if that's for mm -hmm. them. And do you feel that this could be for some people, maybe lack of purpose per se, you know, because uh, for example, your product, you feel that, you know, you're creating something that it's, it's going to help a lot of people. And of course, all the outcome and the financial is the, is the plus is definitely nice. The extrinsic motivation that yes, you build in a company and you, of course you get financially compensated for, but you have the intrinsic motivation that you really want to do. You wanted that product for yourself and work and put it for people. Do you feel that some people maybe just sometimes get into business for the wrong reasons, only thinking about the extrinsic motivation, the money, the reward, and not thinking so much about the, the intrinsic, what's going to really fulfill them? Maybe, maybe it's going to prevent them to really go all in with the grind. What do you think? Yeah, definitely that ha has to do with it because, you know, you uh, hear everybody talking, I want to do a business for having like more money and more time. And I can guarantee you that in the first <laughs> years, maybe up to five, that won't going to mm -hmm. happen. <laughs> you won't do more money and you definitely won't have mm -hmm. more time. So, so <laughs> maybe that's the, that's the situation. It's hard for me to, to understand exactly why, because I usually look at the, um, like the journey, not the, the result. So even with the jujitsu part, I was the same. I was thinking about how cool as a lifestyle this could be. Because it's like, I don't have to go to a gym and work out. I can have, like, be here, do sparring with all my friends and learn these cool techniques and also, like, try to see if this works in competition. And that will keep me mm -hmm. healthy and sane mentally. That was also super important. And this is like a super cool lifestyle. Yeah. And I think you can look at the entrepreneur lifestyle pretty much the same. So if you think that something that you would like to build stuff from the ground up and to imagine and envision stuff that you would like to appear in the real world, I think you should think that you're blessed if you have the ability to try to mm -hmm. do that, not necessarily if you succeed or not even if you try to do that, because not everybody can do that. I mean, sometimes, sometimes people are lucky, you know, I, I, maybe I'm a little bit lucky, maybe you're a little bit lucky because we have the ability to, to test all these uh, things that we want to, to, to build and pursue. And sometimes maybe other people cannot do that. So I'm always trying to think at this yeah, part. And there's a phrase that I like to say that uh, has been the theme of my life since I'm a teenager is, if you're looking for a big opportunity, accept a big challenge. So when people do accept big challenges, big opportunities for growth will pop up. And maybe the outcome, as you mentioned, maybe you didn't achieve the outcome that you wanted. Maybe the outcome wasn't positive. But for sure, if you look in a rational way, there's growth involved. When you're losing positive or negative, it's just accepting that big challenge usually there's a huge opportunity for growth or from top of some type of learning. It's just the pain of the perception people have of the situation. You know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. And you find, you have to find the, like the right puzzle, mm -hmm. you know, in, in, in that opportunity, because most probably others are trying also, and it's not an easy yeah. one. Uh, and it's really important to not get, get burned out in that process. I mean, that's really important, both jiu-jitsu and entrepreneurship. And you have to be well-balanced. I, I remember when I started jiu-jitsu, I was only focusing on career. I, was, uh, I had, had opened my um, outsourcing company and I was successful with that. But I was like 350 kilograms, uh, 350 mm -hmm. pounds, like 160 mm -hmm. kilograms. So I was like really mm -hmm. obese. And also uh, me and my girlfriend uh, at the time, which is actually my mm -hmm. wife now, we were in a fight. So we separated uh, and I was like only focusing on the business. And then the economic crisis started in 2008. Mm -hmm. And I lost like 
more than 50% of the customers, mm. of the clients. And no matter what I was doing, no matter how hard I was trying, I couldn't do anything about it. <laughs> and I, I was just, I mean, the only differences was that I was not happy and mm. sick, you know. So nowadays I, I always think about that, again, that I have the, the, this great chance to work at the things that I yes. love. Uh, and I should be balanced. I should have a balanced life. And that's why I think I have three pillars in my life. It's first the family uh, together with my wife. And I should think about starting to, to, to make babies as well. Um, and then is my career, which is the entrepreneurship part. And then is my hobby, the jiu-jitsu. And I need all three of them. Definitely. It's not something that is not one. It's more important than the other. There are all three important because if one will go bad at some point or maybe even two, I still have something to, to balance in and that can keep me sane and that can keep me working uh, into the process, into the grind. So that's important also. Now, what do you feel is your, you just mentioned, I don't know if this is the moment, but what is your worst entrepreneur experience and what did you learn from this experience? I wouldn't say that I have so many, like I'm trying to, to see always the, the full glass part and there are so many lessons that I've mm -hmm. learned. I think the most important ones are all related to, to people and managing people and uh, those were like <laughs> tight corners mm -hmm. <laughs> sometimes. I remember now again something from the from the beginning of my management uh, days where I had guys in the outsourcing company that they wanted to work in the weekends, you know, without asking for nothing in return. They just wanted to impress and like make a good job and work for the clients in the weekend. And it seemed to be like a good decision, you know, because they wanted to do that. The clients needed to do the work in the weekend to not create any downtimes in their infrastructure. So everybody was happy, you know, but that was so wrong. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so uh, clients got used to that and they were only asking for weekend stuff and then nobody wanted to do that mm -hmm. stuff in the weekend. And then lots of problems appear from that. And it's so funny because now I'm seeing the same type of issues in the academy as well, you know, with uh, new coaches mm -hmm. that are young people that want to impress and they are willing to do stuff in order to show you that they want to be teachers and they want to have this jiu-jitsu lifestyle. But you have to be careful because you can, you have to build like processes and systems that are scalable and that will work, not just to agree on <laughs> things that could work in the Short term. I know. I totally understand, especially the part talking about staff or management. It, this, this is always a challenge. How, what did you do to improve more in this? I, I know that it's a lot is just the life experience of us making the mistakes, period. You know, but do you have the habit of maybe looking for some type of like sources of books or, or mentors? What, what helped you? Definitely, I read lot, lots of books and usually I'm reading things that you can learn from, either biographies, uh, so, so personal stories also about like books like uh, Tools of Titans mm, of Tim yes, Ferriss that I really love because that, that sums up so many experience from hundreds mm -hmm. of people. Uh, listen to, to podcasts similar to mm -hmm. this one where again you can get like fast solutions the, although the the interesting fact is it's exactly like in jiu-jitsu because it's always so many things compared with jiu-jitsu you know when a student comes uh, and maybe you try to show him a technique that is too advanced mm -hmm. for him and you show him like the sweet details that you know are like the best details ever and he doesn't seem to mm -hmm. understand that those details are needed you know and no matter what you do he will never understand until he gets into the sparring and he gets crushed and he gets destroyed and then he will come and ask you like professor how do i do that specific part and then he remembers mm -hmm. immediately and he he's super happy with the solution sometimes i think it's the same in business yeah. <laughs> so sometimes you you have to do a mistake in order to actually find and need the solution so I'm trying when I feel that I'm going to do mistakes or I'm, I'm feeling that the road is unsecure, 
try to get more more expertise as fast as possible. Yeah, and it's very interesting, especially since you like reading. There are moments I have mentioned this in a podcast before. There are moments that you read a book or even a page that didn't make a lot of impact on you, and three years later you read the same page and you say, "Oh, that makes sense yeah. now." I had to go through all yeah, this to exactly. make sense. It's it's very interesting how it's a, it's a good actually tip to once in a while just go back to some of the important books that you know have made impact on you. And we're gonna talk about this, asking you about the what book you no know, made a made the most impact on you. But now, what is a one high performance habit that helped you in, to progress in jujitsu, business, and life? So I would say like the most the most important stuff that I think I'm doing and I'm happy with it, I'm trying always to imagine which is like the worst case scenario. Mm -hmm. And I was doing that at Jiu-Jitsu first when I was going uh, to, to fight the Worlds at Abu Dhabi World Pro and I was fighting then with uh, Gabriel Arches, with uh, Mahmed Ali, with Nicolas Merigali, mm -hmm. you know, and with a lot of these guys I was also winning at, at Purple. And it was, there were really tough fights. And I had like two businesses that I was managing. And I already had that excuse that I'm not full-time. I'm not doing this full-time. And I'm not like these guys. I'm not like a, an athlete full-time dedicated. So you can be super aggressive as a mindset when you enter on the tatami and you think that I'm going to destroy this guy, mm -hmm. you know. Or I was always thinking that I'm there to for the pictures, you know. I'm there to see Dubai, to see Abu Dhabi, to have these pictures with these incredible guys. And maybe, <laughs> maybe things will, will work out, you know. And I was positioned myself with such an, a way of thinking that it was really hard to lose my confidence during the match. Because anyway, I wasn't expecting mm -hmm. too much, you know. So I could only build up from yeah. there. <laughs> and I was becoming very very comfortable with the worst case scenario and that made me um, without any emotions any nerves and that actually helped me a lot to win lots and lots of performing more relaxed yeah yeah and I'm approaching things exactly the same in businesses and usually in tough decisions mm -hmm. so anytime I have to do something and it's like an important I'm thinking like what's the worst case scenario and then I'm thinking what are the actions and the um, risks that I, I will do and what could that affect the worst case scenario. And I find the version that I'm comfortable with and that's the, the limit, you know? And I say, okay, this is the worst case scenario. I feel comfortable with this. And then I'm thinking about the 10 days, 10 months, 10 years rules. You know, you, you think something, how would something affect you in 10 days from now? How something will it affect you in 10 months from now and how, the same thing will affect you in 10 years. And after I have this analysis done, usually I'm super comfortable to start anything without any big mm -hmm. stress. So that helps me a lot to not stress too much and get, get burned. It helps me to build a, the system that will allow me to go to the grind, through the I'll grind. I'll tell you what, this is a, it's a great habit because one of the things Camille have here with the podcast, of course, you do have... A lot of entrepreneurs who do have professional athletes, people that are not professional athletes, they just like the content and they listen. But when I started a podcast, I was really trying to reach out. If there's a group that I really try, and of course, the entrepreneurs, but I'm going after the people who are not satisfied in their careers. And they are like, man, yeah, I make good money, but I hate my job, you know, and I'm looking for these people. And this question is a great one. So for everyone who is listening right now and you are in that transition that you want to pull the, the trigger and you're not sure, this is a great question. What is the worst case scenario if you leave this job and you go somewhere and it doesn't work? What is the worst case scenario? Because some people get overwhelmed when they think about the possible worst case scenario. Like, oh my God, no, 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 no. I don't want to do that. And some of them say, like, okay, this could happen. It doesn't mean that it's going to happen. It could happen. Sure. So if this comes to how would I handle this, what obstacles may show up. So if you have to give, maybe especially based on that, give advice to someone asking this question, is there anything else that you could add to someone who it's not sure they want to make the shift, 
they want to make the switch, but they're not quite, you know, they just, they can get, can't, they cannot get over the worst case scenario. I would say that it's actually, I mean, they should try to imagine their life without any changes mm-hmm. because I have close uh, family members that think like that. They're always, I mean, they're talking about something that I see as an opportunity and they see as stress and a problem, a decision that they have to do. And I always tell them like, what if you don't do any decision? If you don't make any decision, you will be happy. And in most of the situations, they aren't happy because otherwise they wouldn't think about it, you know. So I'm trying to, to ask them to envision their life in 10 years from now being the same and not jump to any trains, you know, and not try to change anything about them. That's something that they would want to, to, to hear about. It's something that would make them happy. And if that it's true, maybe they shouldn't rush into a decision. But usually people that want to, to make changes are thinking about a lot how the life should, should change. And it's definitely the only thing that you should uh, try to fix is to not have things to keep you up at night. So that's why I'm always thinking about the worst case scenario. You know, people that are trying to, to become entrepreneurs, they're saying, I want to, to sleep well at night. And well, if you have like a comfortable worst case scenario, I don't see any reasons that you shouldn't keep up, uh, sleep very good at night. So I'm thinking when I started Reflex, that was such a big jump from my comfort mm-hmm. zone. You know, I was used to provide services in Bucharest <laughs> in my area of expertise. And then we said, okay, let's do a startup that it's in a whole different industry that we don't know anything about. And it's a product and it's scalable and let's sell it in foreign countries. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's totally different. And I started to think like on different scenarios and I was thinking if it doesn't work out at least I wouldn't, learn how to pitch this to investors because I was thinking I would pitch to like 100 investors and in the end I will learn how to do that. And after I managed to raise uh, lots of money for the business, now that's a new skill that I have. And now currently I was saying like, okay, if we raise the money, but it still would not work out, at least I will learn how to do uh, hardware and mass production in China, which is like a super skill to have as an entrepreneur. It's something that is definitely worth it. And now I have that. <laughs> and now I'm going more and I'm saying, okay, now let's build a business case, you know, in different countries and see how you do that. And I think it's from experience to experience in the end, we will reach like a super mega successful startup or not. But in the end, all that experience can be used for something else. Definitely. It's basically it comes down to perception how they interpret this obstacle, this situation you're interpreting in a way that you, you know, you're going to grow regardless from this opportunity. Now, what is the best advice you've ever received? I would say that um, it's something that I've, um, I've seen in a, in a book recently, actually in a podcast, something that I listened to in a podcast. Um, and if you think about like, let's say the Inca civilization, you don't remember like the guy that built the best temple in that period, you know, 600 years ago. Nobody knows about that guy. I think he was a big shot during those mm-hmm. years, you know, but now nobody knows that. And I'm sure that in 10,000 years time, nobody will know about Elon Musk and about Einstein or nobody around our days um, and if you think about it like this way I think there isn't anything that can be super big that you can achieve during a mm-hmm. lifetime that will matter you know so if you think about that I think your purpose should be like to live a full and happy life together with your family and loved ones and this is maybe an an advice for now that I'm 30 because I'm thinking more and more, which is my purpose uh-huh. in life and why I'm doing this. So I'm always thinking now that it has to be fun. You know, it, it's not about the money because, you know, having, I don't know, let's say 1 million or 
200,000 euros or 20 million, it, it, it's not such a big difference if you think about it. I mean, it's like flying maybe economic versus first class, maybe your own jet. But if you don't care so much about these things, like after a certain amount of money, which is in nowadays in the society is pretty easy to, to achieve, it's not so much about like the comfort that money can mm -hmm. bring. And you definitely should, should uh, think about your life and what makes you happy and try to live that to the, the fullest. And I'm always thinking about my uh, coach, Tudor, He's an inspiration for me. We are totally mm -hmm. different. So I'm the, like, let's say, the, the kind of guy that tries to start businesses and opportunities. And I really like that. And I'm, I'm always super busy and I have a super tight schedule. And he's the mm -hmm. opposite, you know. He's always trying to be super relaxed and not to stress too much. And he's a super smart mm -hmm. guy and capable. I mean, it's not like he cannot do this. But he, that's his lifestyle. Yeah. I mean, he wants that as a lifestyle. And he's now spending lots of time with his kid. Um, and he was telling me that uh, he has lots of friends. And they never complained that their parents didn't uh, bought expensive toys for them or expensive stuff. And they always complained that their parents didn't mm. spend time with them. And he doesn't want to be that kind of a parent. So his mission now is like just to, to expand the academy, but not so much than to not have like lots of time with his kid and his family. And I'm not maybe in that moment mm -hmm. yet but i can definitely feel that he's successful yes and that's success about like defining how do you want to live your life and living it that way you know so that's something that everybody should should do define the the the, the success in their own terms and try to to achieve that you know and it's definitely different from one guy oh, to another absolutely and i feel that Sometimes in some of the interviews, there's the common uh, thread that pops up. And I feel that we've been talking a few times right now into perception, as you mentioned about the perception of seeing situations and obstacles as yeah. opportunity. And the same way, the perceptions that people have different perceptions about the meaning of the word success. I always mention about that. What is success for me might be different for you, for someone else. And I feel that something for people, especially now, I, I don't know, I, I feel that is there's some big change in the world in a way that people are starting to put more thought into that. I think years ago was more like that big, you get this big job and then you retire and you have this all this money and then you don't do anything. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are questioning that, this kind of format of, a, hey, why do I have to wait my whole life until I can actually get to travel? Can I travel before? Can I travel during I'm actually going through my journey or what I'm doing? <laughs> so I feel that a lot of people are starting to change their, or not even change, but reevaluate the perception of the, the meaning of the word success. And I really like that you mentioned that about success is not the same for everyone, you know? Yeah, and you shouldn't take yourself too seriously because, you know, for somebody else, what you're doing could be something really, really stupid, you know, and maybe. <laughs> so I don't think it's right, right or wrong. It's just what yeah. you want from life and obtaining that. And you shouldn't like judge with that mm -hmm. filter other people. So now <laughs> let me ask you my favorite question. What advice would you give to your younger self? Let's say... I'm not even saying when you start Reflex because it was fairly in 2018, fairly about three years ago. Yeah. But let's say a little earlier when you started your software um, company. Yeah. What advice yeah. would you give to your younger self? <laughs> um, I know it's a lot of them, but you just can tell them one thing like, hey, buddy, let me tell you this. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying to, to imagine like which is the, like this. I think. And how old were you, though, when you, when you started that? The first one, the, your first business? 20 okay 20 and i was doing like lots of stuff since the university i was organizing proms for all the faculties in the university and that was like actually the first business but it's not necessarily a business mm -hmm. <laughs> but mm -hmm. it was like really really good days back then um 
I would say that, you know, you have to prove yourself when you're young and mm-hmm. you're like really excited to do that and you're only thinking about that. And that age, I was only thinking if something could work. And that's all. And I was telling you before that I'm the kind of guy that I say yes to opportunities a lot. And it's mm-hmm. really hard for me to say no. So if you say now, Camille, I've listened to you on the podcast and I think you're cool and I would like to do this and this and this, man, it will be a nightmare for me if it's a good idea because I know that <laughs> I don't have time, you know, and I'll try to, my mind will work and the system will start and think how I can do that, you know, and that's really yeah, hard for you. me to say no. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm the kind of guy to just start things immediately. Um, and I would say that that's a good thing but a bad thing as well. And I should think mm-hmm. maybe what's the impact that I will create by doing something? Because I was thinking if something could work but not necessarily what's the impact that will create like you said uh, you can do a business that will just generate money you can do a business that will change you totally as a person you can do an impact a social impact business that will make both money and people Mm -hmm. lives better so there are multiple journeys that you can choose and I, i think that uh, a younger <laughs> Camille should like imagine how how he how the life would change depending on what what um, journey he will choose and mm-hmm. try to envision that life and see if that is something that it's worth doing for five years for six years for seven years not just start something because it would work <laughs> mm-hmm. just thinking more like long term yeah and, and, and uh, also n- not just think that um, this can be successful that way we should do it but if it's successful and it's like this and this and this that's something that you would love to do or not or i'm not mm-hmm. saying that i'm not doing something that i love but it's something that definitely i would change so i wouldn't start the outsourcing business if i would be there again maybe i would start with the product directly Mm -hmm. or maybe with a social with a social um, impact business because there are so many ways to actually create something that helps also lots of people and make money in the process and be Mm -hmm. successful i mean define success through that filter so I, i don't know Sky is the limit. Cool. There are so many opportunities, and that's why you should choose better. <laughs> you should choose better, not just get the, the first ones that appear. <laughs> exactly. It's so many opportunities. And some people even talk with me after saying that, man, I, I answered to you in an interview. This is the advice. And then I kept thinking throughout the day, and I had like a bunch of more advice that would say, <laughs> I would say this or say that. Because when you look, you know, the, especially, you know, 10 years ago, it's 10 years of growth, you know, that you have yeah. from when you started the business and you look back and like, Hey, you know, I always say it, I'll tell myself first to be like, yeah, you know, congratulations for what you've done so far, you know, for hanging there, you going after it and now watch this. Nice. <laughs> so uh, what book would you recommend and why? Usually I like to suggest people to pick one book that made an impact on you. And very often this is based on what moment of your life you're reading, right? So what do you feel that is a book that made a big impact on you? I would say two, because uh, the one that I'm recommending, uh, I think Bernardo Faria already recommended. So how to win friends and influence people. Mm -hmm. Um, And that book is so useful and people don't understand how important it is to, to have good communication and social yeah. skills. Uh, and that's, that's so, so important. And it's uh, such a funny story. I remember that <laughs> I was reading the book. We were in a holiday together with my wife. And then um, I'm the kind of guy that really loves his car, you know. I mean, I'm trying to, my car is always like tidy and clean and like mm-hmm. works really good. So I'm very careful to who I'm giving the car to. And we were coming back from the holiday. And I was just reading a chapter where 
Um, it, it was a story with a pilot that uh, like is uh, piloting a plane and then he crashes because the people that were doing the maintenance of the plane put a different kind of fuel like gasoline, not kerosene or something like that. And the pilot goes together with all the press and everything and like a guy that did the mistake, he was so sure that he's, you know, like <laughs> that's really bad what he done and this pilot like puts his hand across his shoulder and says like, I'm so sure that you'll be super careful from now on that I want you to work at my like personal plane from now on. Mm-hmm. And that, uh, that kind of responsibility and way of acting was really uh, shown as an example. And while I was <laughs> reading, <laughs> reading the chapter, my wife was driving <laughs> and she crushes the car like super bad. <laughs> like imagine <laughs> you wouldn't imagine like smashing it on the highway <laughs> at mm. 100 miles per hour or something like that that's, that's no bueno <laughs> yeah and <laughs> we're we're okay both of us so nothing happens and she was expecting me like to freak out you know and i was just oh. finishing the chapter and i was like okay try to apply <laughs> what you've learned into the book <laughs> good job <laughs> Yeah, and I didn't say anything to her. Like things happen, don't worry, you know, stuff like that. And then after I um, like got the car back and fixed and everything, you know, the first thing that I, she had her own car, you know, but I told her like, can I get your car to go to the practices and maybe you can get my car, you know? And she was so shocked that she would, she was sure that she will never receive that car anymore, you know? Mm-hmm. And then uh, my mother-in-law called, almost crying, like she's so proud of me because <laughs> because I managed to, <laughs> uh-huh. to like react like this. Everybody was scared that I would be super pissed about the car, you know. And all the family was so happy. And then, and then I realized that you know it's such a small thing, and it's such a, a small thing that you just read and you're doing, and then. Like everybody in the family is super happy with you. So there are some things in there that are really, really useful to to somebody. Absolutely, man. This is, I listened to something kind of like to that extent with uh, Tim Ferriss too. He always got, you know, a lot of good things to say. The way that he was presenting, that was the four-hour work week. And this is like, I listened to that 2010 or 12. I, I can't remember. <laughs> But he, he did a great job like recognize some when an employee makes a mistake that very often that's the investment that you make in, in the employee is something that hopefully it won't happen again. He, he put in a way that really opened up my mind. It's kind of to that extent, you know, of there's a good chance that this person is not going to make this again. Can it happen? Absolutely. But now chances are that they're going to be more aware. You know, yeah, do you see yeah. yourself using that concept? you know, in, in other areas of your business too? Definitely. And I always tell to all the people that I work with that I'm expecting them to do the mistake. And mm-hmm. the only thing that I want from them is try to find the ways in order not to repeat that. So that's the only thing that I care, not that if they did it first, but how we can like prevent that from happening again. Because I think that's the, the only way of thinking about it. I mean, it's, Like you said, it's stupid to think like if something happened to, to, to stress too much about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. but yeah, with the car, it's something different. <laughs> <laughs> business is business. <laughs> the car is, yeah, yeah. So no, that was really, really funny story. And that was like something that I learned, learned and immediately. I had the ability to, to apply yeah, okay, and, and the results came in like less than one week. It was like, it was incredible. And that, that, um, that book, it's full of like really, really good, good stories like this one. And also mm-hmm. I think Tool of Titans, if you mm-hmm. want to like, like go fast through lots of uh, mentors and people that are like high achievers and to see like uh, morning routines and mm-hmm. all sorts of rituals that help them to, to be high achievers. I think that's also really useful. Cool. Yeah, this has been definitely been on my list too because I I really enjoy um, his work, Tim Ferriss. Definitely his content has made a big impact on me, especially I'll look into about 
six or eight years ago, you know, a lot of those, you know, the information that he shared has helped me a lot. Now, what is, what are you currently excited about? What do you got going on with your jujitsu academy, with Reflex? What are you excited about? So now I'm super, super excited with Reflex because we are like, uh, going from production and building the product to actually business cases and scale up, you know, the business. And some, mm-hmm. that's something that I'm really excited to, to learn how to do that internationally. And that's, that made me search for lots of like valuable people that can help us. And now we have like a great team. And usually I'm super excited about entrepreneurship and jujitsu. And I'm thinking how to mix that more than the academy in the future. Mm. Like there are so many, like jujitsu, it's a small niche if you think about Mm -hmm. it. I mean, the jujitsu community, it's such a small niche. And every time I think about businesses in the jujitsu community, I remember that it's such a small niche. So you have to be super careful with what you build in this niche. It Mm -hmm. will grow. But again, the... I was talking about the, um, like, what's the impact? So yeah. if it's such a small market, the impact, maybe it will be small. But it's hard for me to let go this idea that I should build something for <laughs> the jiu-jitsu community. So I'm still thinking, like, what's, I'm sure there's something out there, like the, the puzzle that will fit. Yeah. You know? And it has to be something that will create a big impact and it will be valuable still in a very small market and a small niche. Yeah, no, I feel that at some point, you're going to end up creating something. Even if it's 10 years from now, if you feel that you really got, you know, you're up to something, you know, you you will. And how's the scene, the jiu-jitsu scene in Romania? I'm, I don't know anything about it, to be honest. Man, this is so, so interesting. So when I started, my teacher, Tudor, was a blue belt. And he was the only blue belt in the gym. You know, he had like 20 students. There were all white belts. I was a white belt and he was a blue What belt. year was that? 2008. Okay. Um, and then uh, we, in 2009, we went together in Brazil, in mm-hmm. uh, Buzios. Uh-huh. Uh, Beautiful there. Yeah, we trained there with Igor Silva, with Felipe Costa, with mm, uh, Camp. Yeah, yeah. Yes, and then also in Rio, Rio also in uh, Gordo Jiu-Jitsu oh. Academy. Mm-hmm. And that was like our biggest uh, influence because it was we, we just went there in Brazil. And then I think everything took off. So nowadays we were, I would say in Romania, we were like 100 people that were practicing jiu-jitsu maximum. Mm-hmm. And now we have two academies. One is run by me and the other by Tudor, my coach. And together we have like over 500 students. Mm-hmm. We have also like mixed martial arts and, and kickboxing. We are like the biggest team in, in Romania, but there are over 20 teams in mm-hmm. Romania, let's say. And Do you have think, events there? Tournaments? No. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we have. So we have uh, tournaments. We have three levels, like beginner, intermediate, and like pro. And pro, mm-hmm. it's brown and black. Mm-hmm. And then you have uh, purple and blue and white. And yeah, things are definitely moving forward. Now we have thousands of people. We have like the Romanian Open Cup, which uh, last year had 800 or 900 people. That's awesome. Attending. Uh, We have the summer camp that we are doing um, each summer. And in the summer camp, there were like 200 people from 12 countries. So definitely yeah things are moving forward with the jiu-jitsu and i'm super excited because when i started it didn't seem to be such a big deal you know Mm -hmm. and now it's getting bigger and bigger and i'm trying to understand how this will fit in my life later Mm -hmm. on and i'm thinking always that i have to work now for thinking that maybe at 45 years, if I want to retire and only do jujitsu, uh-huh. <laughs> like acad- running academies and stuff like that, I will have the ability to do that. Then. Yeah, no, this is good. But from what I get from you, I don't think that you're ever going to retire. <laughs> you know, you're always going to be involved or something because... Probably if you stay six months without doing anything, you're going to go insane. So I know that 
for the rest of your life, you're going to be involved with something entrepreneurial. That's for sure. My wife, she's always upset because <laughs> we're going in holidays, you know, and I'm always telling her, like, we shouldn't stay more than two weeks because that's really, really bad for me. You know, in the mm -hmm. first week, I'm okay because I'm relaxing. But after one week, when I'm finished with the, <laughs> the relaxing, I'm always starting to think, like, what, what to do Start next. Start withdrawals and like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. So, yeah. Most probably you're right, but still, it's good to have. You know, people say we're lucky or I'm lucky, and I think that's the case. But it's also good to build for the future. Like, if I want to take that exit, I can do it. You know, it's not like it it will come itself to me and say, "Hey, do you want to have three academies that you are managing?" Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> so we're getting close to the end of the interview. So for all the listeners, just stick around for my final thoughts. And Camille, what, how can they can know more about Reflex, about your school, if you can give some, some of the websites and so forth? Sure. And whatever message would you like to leave to them? So in, I was really, really excited to, to be on your podcast. And I, I thank you for this. I'm like, I'm super happy with this. Um, and also for people that want to, to talk more, don't be shy. <laughs> mm -hmm. so i love meeting new people you can find me on facebook just type in my name or you can find me from the business perspective at reflex.help um, and just shoot an email there um, and yeah let's talk more and see what opportunities and what strategic partners out there mm -hmm. exist in the world looking forward awesome all right, so for all the listeners, stick around for my final thoughts. Oos. Oos. Let me share with you my final thoughts from the interview with the Romanian black belt Camille Moldovano. As I mentioned, Camille is the co-founder and CEO of Reflex, which is a motion-trackable wearable device that assists in guiding patients with their rehabilitation process. Plus, he co-owns two jiu-jitsu schools in Bucharest, Romania. I hope you're able to grab at least one good takeaway from the interview, and my personal takeaway is the title of this episode, What is the Worst Case Scenario? I asked Camille about an advice or suggestion that he could give to someone who is not happy with their current situation, regardless of the reason. If you are in this situation, reflect on the questions. If you are not in this situation and you know someone who is, maybe you can forward this concept to them. First, he suggested... How is your life without changes? Because it will be the same in 5 or 10 years if you don't take any action. If you're not happy and you refuse to do anything about it and you expect different outcome, that is defined as insanity. Action needs to be taken. Now reflect on the question, what is the worst case scenario, short and long term? Really imagine and go to that place. What the struggle would look like? How would you handle it? Then, as the motivational speaker Les Brown said, shoot for the moon. Even if you miss, you will land among the stars. Imagine that worst case scenario. Change your perception about the struggle. Think for opportunities for growth and shoot for the moon. If you have been listening to the podcast for a while, you probably noticed at some point me talking about the quote, if you're looking for a big opportunity, accept a big challenge. Most of the time you accept a big challenge in your life, there is an amazing opportunity for growth, regardless of the outcome, positive or negative. If you analyze the situation in the most rational, positive, and intellectual way possible, you will find it. Camille mentioned how he used the mentality of what is the worst case scenario for jiu-jitsu competitions and in all aspects of his life. And in different moments of my personal life, I use the same mindset. Here's the thing. Opportunities for growth are available daily for us all over the place. We just need to be more or even more self-aware and accept some type of challenge. Then the growing process begins or continues. Bigger the challenges, bigger are the opportunities. Remember that I mentioned earlier about changing your perception of challenges or struggles, thinking about these events as opportunities for growth? That is all they are just events, and you can choose how to respond to them to get the outcome that you want. 
I would like to share with you a formula that I learned from my first personal development CD set that I bought called The Principles of Success from Jack Canfield. Here it is. E plus R equals O, which means E for event plus R response equals O, outcome. For example, if the event is the fact that you're not satisfied with something, the response is that you keep doing the same thing and your outcome is the same situation. You or someone you know can say, Gustavo, I really want to change this outcome. What should I do? So imagine that is a mathematical equation. If I tell you that 2 plus 3 equals 5, you can tell me, eh, Gustavo, eh, I don't like the outcome 5. I like the number 4. I want 4. Okay, fair enough freedom of choice. However, for this outcome to change, one of the numbers of the equation needs to be changed. If the event represents the number two and the response represents the number three, what do you need to change to get the outcome that you want? Remember, the fact or the event cannot be changed. Only your response to the fact or to the event can be changed, which is your answer. Change your response to the event. You must take full responsibility for changing your interpretation of the event then rationally responding to the event. Let me share with you how I used the worst case scenario mindset when I lived in Brazil and how you can use Jack Canfield's formula that is going to help you to interpret challenges with a growth mindset. During the episode zero, I share with you about my history and the history of the podcast. And I mentioned a story that happened in 1997. I was training at my coach's academy under Pedaneros for the world championship in Rio when I met an American called Steve Da Silva. We became friends, and in 1998, he went back to Rio for the Worlds, and he issued me a challenge, and he said, hey, Gustavo, in six weeks, there will be a tournament in Irvine, California called the Joe Moreira International Championship. I live in Vegas. You can visit me for a few days. Then we can drive to Irvine, back to Vegas. You can stay in my house and crash at a hotel with us. What do you think? That was a huge desire that I had to travel and compete abroad, which I have never done to that point. Now, let's break down what happened. Okay, the event or fact happened, which means Steve issued a challenge. As soon as I received the information, I interpreted as, this is the opportunity that I've been looking for to travel and compete. I have to accept this challenge regardless of the short time. I had the vision of me being there, and I told him, I'm going. He said, really cool, man. Do you have the visa? I said, no, I don't even have a passport or the money, but I'm going. I thought, what is the worst case scenario? The American embassy can deny my visa, and I don't get the application money back. Or I don't raise enough money for the trip. On the other hand, the positive is that the first step to travel internationally is to own a passport, so I guess that's progress. My response could have been negative, just focusing on the pain of the challenge of getting your passport, visa, money for the trip that I didn't have in five weeks. I was a total of six weeks until the actual competition, though. I could have said, Steve, it's too close, man. Next year, it would be cool so I can plan better. What the outcome would have been if I said no? Who knows? I just know that I reflected on the worst case scenario. And long story short, I got my passport, my visa, which, by the way, was a huge challenge to overcome. And I raised all the money for the trip. What opportunities this challenge provided me? Competed for the first time in the United States. It was one of my last brown belt matches. And I won the featherweight division and the openweight division. Plus, the opportunity to live in the United States which I did in less than four months after my first trip. That is why I always share the motivational speaker, Tony Robbins, quote, it's in your moments of decisions that your destiny is shaped. Because of this decision, you're listening to this podcast today. Now, let me clear things here. I'm not trying to impress you with my accomplishment or my challenges. It's just to convey to you that when a big challenge knocks on your door, and this challenge is something that you have the desire to accept? Think about the worst case scenario. How would you handle the obstacles? 
reflect on the amazing opportunities for growth that will present itself from accepting this challenge and say yes. I saw a great interview with the best swimmer of all time, Michael Phelps, that he said, I would visualize the best and the worst case scenarios. Whether I get disqualified or my goggles fill up with water or I lose my goggles or I came in less, I'm ready for anything. So don't be afraid to go there and imagine the worst case scenario. You don't have to focus on the worst case scenario. However, you can be self-aware that is a real possibility. So remember, if you are looking for a big opportunity, accept a big challenge. Oh, We're glad you were able to join us for this episode of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast. But the lesson doesn't end here. Watch the videos and download the audio of the 10 mental mistakes BJJ competitors make and how to avoid them for free when you subscribe to the BJJMentalCoach.com. Don't miss the chance to find out what might be holding you back from being your best self on and off the mat. That's the BJJMentalCoach.com.